Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West, you are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news that I was refused to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for June 28th in the year of our Lord, 2021. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen, we use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law, the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. And absolutely, we're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers one of the great peaceful restorative solutions we have at our fingertips as you know we reject revolution we stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth welcome to liberty roundtable live our website's libertyroundtable.com and lovingliberty.net is our nationally syndicated radio network lovingliberty.net live and on demand radio at your fingertips 24 7 incredible talk hosts around the clock not only that, it's free, live and on demand, but it gets even better. Incredible videos of what's going on out there in the world available on that website. Donation links available to donate liberally, please. And best of all, downloadable apps for iPhone and Android, archived and on demand, as well as live radio through the apps, as well as you can monitor the Twitter feed and keep up with the headlines of what's happening, as well on that wonderful lovingliberty.net what do you want to call it education channel news channel it's all true how's that welcome to the broadcast hope you had a delightful god family country style weekend i know that i did and a recap of saturday's show starts now we had our guest on mr richard mack founder and president of the cspoa that's a partner between partnership between citizens and local law enforcement we want you to back your sheriff and we want your sheriff to become a oath keeping law abiding Constitutional County Sheriff. CSPOA.org to become a member. Please get involved today. We need your financial and otherwise support to help train sheriffs in de-escalation tactics, to train sheriffs in their oath, in the Constitution, in the proper role of limited government, in the incredible checks and balances that makes this country one of a kind, a light on a hill, a beacon to the world, if you will. We talked about the doctrine of interposition. What is interposition, you may ask? It means to protect someone from the attacks of others. Don't hurt me, don't take my stuff is the idea. Sheriffs get in the middle between the IRS or all other out-of-control agencies and or groups or individuals. And the sheriff says, look, not on my watch. I'm going to protect my citizens. That's what I've been elected to do. Yeah, and government bureaucrats are just as egregious in their violations of the checks and balances as anybody else. In fact, oftentimes... More so. So the doctrine of interposition is vital. We also talked about the principle of nullification with Sheriff Richard Mack. That's a right to invalidate, to refuse, recognize, or obey unconstitutional, pretend legislation. That's right. The checks and balances, ladies and gentlemen, both vertical and horizontal are real. Okay? When governors make law, it's pretend legislation they don't have any authority to make law you got it that's why it's pretend legislation we also talked about senator Rand paul speaking out about biden's gun control ground jewel is the united nations small arms treaty 
they're launching an unconstitutional all-out effort to ratify this in the United States Senate. We the people need to stop them. Can the county sheriff stop them? You bet he can. One county sheriff back in 1997. Well, 96, 7, right in there. Anyway, uh, literally 96, almost 97, or barely 97. I can't remember exactly the date. Anyway, right then and there, the good sheriff, Richard Mack, beat Bill Clinton to the Supreme Court and said, federal government, general government, you will not violate our state and county rights. You won't do it, not on my watch. I'm the chief executive in my county, and you can't do it. And the judges agreed. The majority opinion written by Anthony Scalia saying there's dual sovereigns here. The federal government, the general government has no authority. Stop them in their tracks. Now, if you can stop the United States government, then you can certainly stop the international bureaucrats from their crown jewel, which is the International Small Arms Treaty. Shut it down. Don't let them pass it in the Senate. But if they do, the sheriff should be your interposition person, Johnny on the spot, if you will. We need to back our sheriffs. We also talked about interposition via nullification is the rightful remedy when governments reach beyond their constitutional powers. That was hour one. Hour two. We had our guest on, Mr. Rodney Smith, Jr. He's the founder of a group called Raising Men Lawn Care. Raising Men. Or we're raising men.com, I guess, is the website. We're raising men.com. Putting the care back in lawn care. Incredible stuff. Donate today, ladies and gentlemen. They got the 50-yard challenge going on. Just go learn about it. We're RaisingMen.com. It was a great guest, by the way. Just good people doing good things. I'm telling you right now. We also talked about the UFO report from your federal government. Yeah. Uh, I guess they released it from the Pentagon. U.S. intelligence cannot explain more than 140 UFOs, and the report does not categorically exclude aliens. (laughs) Yeah, they say they can't categorically rule out aliens. So you got a report, really, that admitted there are UFOs. But in addition to admitting there are UFOs, what else happened? Not a whole lot. The government just said, yeah, there's there's aliens. Uh, we don't know if there's aliens. I mean, yeah, there's UFOs. We told you there wasn't for literally decades. Well, it's a credibility crisis for the government. They made fun of us and mocked us when we said there might be unidentified flying objects, and they kind of went, doo doo and then they mocked, and now they admit, yeah, it's all true. We don't know. We don't have any answers, but it is true. What a shame on your government for lying to you once again. But you know what? Do you expect the government not to lie these days? <laughs> wow. We also talked about Nike is a brand that is of China and for China. Nike chief reassures China. What a shame cave to the communists. When I get that you want sales, CEO, but what a shame you are. What a disgrace. You know, what you should say is, look, you know what? We don't believe in communism. We will sell our shoes to the Chinese. We will work with them to make our shoes because we have to in this modern day of manipulated economies. But you know what? We don't agree with their communist tactics. We hope they come and see the light of free markets. So we'll play in their arena, but we want them to learn about free markets and hopefully embrace free markets. Can't you stand on something? What a disgrace. We also talked about Mike Pence got booed as traitor. At a conference uh, several weeks ago, and my response is shame on the crowd. Whether you like Mike Pence or not, whether you agree with him or not, you don't need to just stoop to that level and boo the guy and be all negative and everything else. You know what? Be polite. 
Um, I don't agree with Mike Pence on everything, but I do believe he's a Christian. I do believe he's doing his best. Right? That's something to kind of really, really uh, understand. All right, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I want to try to get to our our guest, Lowell Nelson. Campaignforliberty.org is his website. RonPaulInstitute.com is his other site. And um, I don't know if I'm having trouble or not, but he, he's there and then he keeps disappearing. Are you there, Lowell? Uh-oh. All right, I'll have to try to get Lowell here. Let me try to get him on this other line, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I don't know what's going on here. I'm running the board all by myself because Cameron and those guys aren't available. And as a result, it's kind of tough to do everything all by myself here. But let's see if we can get Lowell here. He probably was not able to hear. Not able to hear. Are you there, Lowell? Are you there, Lowell? I am. I am now. I am now. Can you hear me now? Go ahead and try to get that fixed. Can you hear me okay? Can you hear me okay? Uh, you're coming uh, in, you're uh, coming double. in uh, double. And I'm going to have to work on that I'm here. Have to work I apologize on that here. for that. I apologize for that. That's okay. That's okay. Now Let let's see if it's double. Oh, is that better? That's single now. Uh, that's better. All right. You couldn't hear before at all. Is that the problem? Right. Not at all. All right. Anyway, I'll have to work on that. It's a long story. I'm running the board by myself. We had switched to a different studio, and then these guys went to a wedding, and I had to switch back to my studio, and I didn't have everything hooked up perfect. So, okay, no Anyway, worries. we'll get to the bottom of that. Thanks for being alongside. I just finished up my recap of a Saturday's show. Bottom line is uh, we had on Richard Mack, and we talked about notification using interposition, one of the great ways we can stop beer cuts and professional do-gooders from destroying every single liberty we have left, huh, Lowell? Absolutely right, Sam. All right. In fact, there's a political leadership school coming up July 31st. If you register today, you get lunch free. Uh, This, it really will help people understand a lot of the principles we've been talking about forever on the radio, sir. That's exactly right, Sam. We'll talk about uh, basically how to hold politicians, politicians accountable, get them to do what they ought to be doing, you know, voting uh, for liberty instead of going along with the establishment along with the status quo and and actually being able to make a difference a political difference uh, and primarily in in the local races where it is the most important to do like in local school board uh, races and not just in elections but actually during the term uh, the politicians serve whether you know, serve on the school board or the county commission city council uh, you know state legislature whatever it is whatever level it is wherever you have your eyes on them, then then they begin actually doing the things that they ought to be doing in the first place. Uh, when you're watching them, when you're uh, talking to them, and, and and persuading them to do the right thing, they they generally do. Politicians are what we call predictable animals. They they actually do. They bend with the wind. That, that and that's and so you create a wind uh, strong enough. Uh, you and your uh, your fellow uh, activists, the patriots, then they will actually do what what uh, the, you, the wind, blows them to do. And that's a, it's a good thing to be involved um, and, and help them make the predictable move. That's, that's, uh, and so you get to learn all this, this class, the Sandy class, goes from 9 in the morning till 5 at night. 
And normally you'd pay hundreds of dollars for this kind of training, Sam, but at this this cost, uh, I'm sorry, this class, which I'm hosting, it's basically at cost. Basically, uh, it's just uh, 40 bucks right now, and that includes lunch. Um, that's our early bird price, which is good through Independence Day celebration and maybe beyond, but at least that long. But don't wait. Sign up today. Secure your seat in this class, this political leadership school in Sandy, Utah. We'll be holding it at the Salt Lake Community College there all day, 9 to 5. It's a great opportunity. We'll have a, 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 an instructor from the Foundation for Conservative Leadership, um, Applied Conservative Leadership, which is FACL for FACL. Basically, a national organization. We get one of their top trainers all day, Saturday, July 31. Sam? Right. you got to love it, ladies and gentlemen. This is something when Lowell says it's at cost. When you talk about you know, getting the location, uh, getting the right people there for the training, uh, the lunch uh, that's available there, you know, you put it all together, that stuff's expensive. So it is literally at cost. Uh, I know it might not sound like, um, you know, wow, is that really at cost? You know, I, I believe it is. I've ran these kind of events before, and it's really, really expensive to put on these things. People don't realize how expensive it really is, Lowell. Yeah, you're exactly right, Sam. And, and if you're not near Sandy, Utah, and you want to go to a school like this, they are being held all over the country. Um, and if they're not being held, and, and you think they ought to be in your town, then you can sign up to host this kind of a school. If you can get you know, a, a dozen other like-minded, liberty-minded, liberty-loving people uh, you know, excited, interested to attend this school, you can host one. Uh, in your own town, and uh, you just sign up at their site, the Foundation for Applied Conservative Leadership, and you can make it happen for yourself and your friends right in your own community. Uh, so there you go, Sam. It's very important to understand, ladies and gentlemen, when people put these kind of seminars on, it's really important to attend them. Because you know what? If they don't get enough people over time, they won't have conferences like this. And I believe it serves the people in incredibly well when we have these kind of conferences people just need this kind of training because a lot of people really are kind of like man what do i do the answer is you put the time in to learn how you can make a difference okay when we talk about this leadership school i want to really be clear what you're talking about is learning how the process of government works at the localist of levels see most people believe it starts when you you know go to the ballot box and vote and my response is, no, 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 it starts way before that. In fact, by the time it's the ballot box um, and who you decide to vote for, the media has already manipulated your views to a great degree. They've ignored certain people they don't even want to talk about. They've highlighted people that they want to promote. Uh, the decisions have already been made on who's going to be on the ballot for even a primary election at that point. All these decisions have already been made, and now you've kind of got, well, a very slim chance to even elect the person you want to because all the real court decisions have already been made. Okay, all the vetting that takes place, all the uh, understanding, all the people that are on different um, delegations and things like this that, that really help kind of vet and understand and channel these things before you see it at the ballot box, that's all been done. And I'm telling you, that's where the rubber meets the road, Lowell. And that's where people need to learn. You are absolutely right, Sam. You know, politicians, they don't like to be accountable, they, they. But, but one of the secrets you'll learn in this class is the is to connect uh, what we call the legislative season, which is when they're making their decisions, casting their votes, with the 
uh, secrets that you'll you'll learn in this uh, this school. So, uh, like I say, it's well worth the the forty dollars that it's going to cost for you to attend this class. Basically, you're just uh, you're just putting you're setting aside that day, you're, and you're saying to yourself, on this day, I am going to learn all I can to uh, about how to make a political difference in in my community, in my school board, or in my uh, county, and it's well worth the time because you're you're going to learn what to, to do the things that make the most difference. You're not going to be spinning your wheels doing things which don't affect politicians. You'll you'll actually learn how to to push them to do what they ought to be doing. So, um, thank you, Sam, for for uh, uh, helping to to promote this marvelous school. It's it's absolutely worth the day that you'll spend uh, learning about these things, Sam. All right, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Now, I want to highlight a little bit more on this so people understand. You know, most folks don't even know who their local representatives are. Let's just talk on the local state level for a second, Lowell. Most -hmm. people don't even know who their local representatives are. And the reason they don't is because they change every two years oftentimes. That's part of the reason. So it's, you know, relatively often that it changes. And, you know, you don't really get to talk to them unless you make a Herculean effort. And so it's very hard for folks to want to know their representatives. How's the best place for you to know your representative? How do I know my rep and get a hold of him and all that? Well, here in Utah, le.utah.gov. It's a website, fantastic website. Le.utah.gov. Mm-hmm. Yep. List all 104 representatives. We have 29 state senators. We have 75 House representatives, state representatives. And every now, 29, one of them, 29 because there's 29 counties, right? That's right. Two, uh, one senator per county. Got it. And then uh, there are 75 House districts, roughly three times as many as senators. And so there's one House district per uh, representative. And uh, if you live in Utah, you live in a Senate district and in a House district. So you have two legislators uh, who ought to know your name. If you're a liberty fighter, uh, they need to know your name. They need to recognize you, uh, and, and you need to share your opinions with them so that they will vote the right way. You know, they, you know if they get, if they get um, emails or texts or contacts from citizens, their constituents, with, with over about a dozen constituents, they consider that, like, overwhelming. That's almost unheard of. People, legislators don't get that kind of contact you know, from their own constituents. It's very rare, except on most popular issues like a tax increase or a tax decrease or something. But uh, let me, let me, you know, just one issue, like uh, the issue about uh, females, uh, I'm sorry, males, uh, biological males participating in female sports. That bill did not get support in the Utah legislature this year, in the 2021 session. And why not? Because... They didn't hear enough from you, the population, the citizens of Utah. Uh, How about the bill that uh, would have outlawed gender change uh, therapy, Uh, you know, growth hormones administered to adolescents, teenagers? Um, You know, that bill didn't come up. Why not? Because your legislators didn't have the political courage 
to, 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 to vote uh, for that bill, right? Why didn't they have the courage? Because they didn't hear from her. That, you know, citizen voices translate to courage in our legislature. And we need to be very polite, but we need to tie it to the next election cycle, too. You don't need to be rude or threatening, but you need to simply uh-huh. say, listen, we expect you to behave in certain ways as our elected official. You represent us. And if you uh, don't, we will do our very best to find somebody who will. And it's not uh-huh. a threat. It's just a reality of when you work for me, then I expect you to do what I'm you know, thinking is best. That's why I choose you. That's why you're there. Now, in Utah, there's probably, what, 2 million voters maybe? Yeah, fewer than that. Um, it's more, uh, there's 3 million uh, people, and so it's, uh, it's roughly six or 700,000 voters is all. Only 25% of the whole state. Well, you, when you count the you know, women and children and, you know, so, yeah, I mean, we're talking. Yeah, but women are supposed to vote, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. Let's just say there's a million voters, okay? Okay, million voters, yep. All right. <clears throat> a million voters divided by 75 legislators, right? Mm-hmm. It's about 13,000 people per legislator. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a small enough number when most people aren't even engaged for you to really have an impact. Now, I know this is just the state of Utah example, but it's really similar uh, in your state because they have more state senators. I'm sorry, they have more state representatives uh, in your state if your state's bigger, for example, as well. So I bring this all up because these are the kind of details that you learn. How do you develop a relationship with them? How do you let them know your will in a forceful way? In other words, be very open and clear, not brutal, but you know what? I want to be assertive. You work for me. I'm the boss, right? But at the same time, not be over-the-top, offensive, cause trouble, create angst, and that kind of stuff. There's a balance there. This training helps you understand that balance, helps you learn how to win friends and influence people in a way, though, that can suggest you're the boss. We, the people, are the boss. And there's tactics and ways to go about that that's non-offensive. They might not like it. They might feel pressure, but they'll have respect if you're polite, insistent, educated, uh, humble, but determined. I mean, there's a balance there, right, Lowell? Yeah, absolutely right, Sam. You put it so very well. Uh, politics is the adjudication of power. That's the definition of politics. And when you think about the way in which other countries determine who's going to reign, you know, who's going to rule over whom, um, it's usually done with a gun or a sword or a club, you know, in most other uh, countries of the yeah, world. Yeah, I'm kind of off that plan personally. Yeah, I mean, it's not an easy plan, not an easy way to adjudicate power. It's a brutal way to adjudicate power. And so I, I tend to lose patience with people who, you know, get upset at uh, a political discussion where people start arguing or get heated. You know, people are impassioned about certain issues. Well, thank goodness we have that opportunity here in this country, because, you know, in other countries, we might not even have that kind of an opportunity. So, yeah, let's get engaged. Let's be active. Let's uh, learn how, you know, politics works in in your state, particularly here in the state of Utah, and, um, you know, attend this this, this training and and really make a political difference uh, for the cause of liberty. And and it's going to benefit them not only you know, uh, the, 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 um, the citizen in Utah, but it will benefit groups such as the uh, CSPOA, you know, the, the, uh, the, uh, the Sheriff's Association, the Peace Officers Association, uh, gun owners, 
um, it'll it'll benefit all of the good, righteous causes. Sam, ladies and gentlemen, this was such an important topic that I blew off the last break for it. Pay attention, leadership school end of July. Be there. Lowell Nelson in seconds with more incredible topics on your radio. Your daily Liberty Newswire. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Lance Pride. The United States on Sunday night carried out another round of air attacks against Iran-backed armed groups in Iraq and Syria in response to drone attacks against U.S. personnel and facilities in Iraq. A U.S. defense official with knowledge of the airstrikes says the Air Force F-15s and F-16s were used in the operation. The strikes took place at approximately 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The militias are threatening to retaliate. An outbreak in Sydney, Australia, linked to the highly contagious Delta variant of the COVID-19, has grown to 128 cases. Cases have also been recorded in Northern Territory, Queensland, and Western Australia. Officials say it's a crucial time for the country, which has kept the case numbers low with border closures and lockdowns. As search and rescue efforts continue at the Champlain Towers in Surfside, Florida, after the collapse last week, Orlando Bravo, a Puerto Rican billionaire, has donated $250,000 for the relief fund. USA Radio News. If you're tired of the old cable news, you now have a choice. It's Newsmax TV. More than 40 million Americans are tuning in, making Newsmax the fastest-growing cable news channel in America. Every minute, every day, Newsmax gives you the real news you can trust with top analysts, hosts, and guests like Ben Carson, Mike Huckabee, Alan Dershowitz, Dick Morris, Nancy Brinker, Mike Reagan, Rudy Giuliani, and so many more. It's easy to watch. Find Newsmax on all major cable systems or get Newsmax free on streaming platforms like Roku, Zumo, Pluto, YouTube, and most smart TVs like Samsung Plus and LG. Remember, Newsmax is different than most cable news networks. You can get it for free on your smartphone. So download the Newsmax app and start watching right now. Join the Newsmax revolution and get us everywhere. Online at Newsmax.com, on your cable channel, your smart TV, and your smartphone. Because when news breaks, you need a trusted source. It's Newsmax. Let's get an infrastructure bill update with Brad Bernards from the West Texas USA Radio News Bureau. Wyoming Senator John Barrasso argued during an exclusive interview on Fox News' Sunday Morning Futures that there is no way Republicans are going to support the nearly $1 trillion infrastructure package if it is any way linked and connected to the broader Democratic spending package, which the Wyoming senator called a freight train heading towards socialism. The White House staff and the and Schumer and Pelosi, who are beholden to the far left wing of the Democrat Party, said, we're not going to go for this bipartisan bill. And look, this bipartisan bill itself is not yet completely settled. There are a number of Republicans, and I'm one of them, uh, who's not completely sold on it. Barrasso, a Republican, made the comment one day after President Biden backtracked on previous remarks he made on his intent to sign the bipartisan infrastructure package and confirmed he will fully stand behind it. USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell Nelson with me. Campaignforliberty.org. Always doing a phenomenal job on your radio, ladies and gentlemen. Lowell and crew, 
really making a difference in the Republic. Their leadership school, incredible. End of July, July 31st. Sign up today. Become informed and involved, to say the least. All right, what is behind General Mark Milley's Righteous Race Sermon? This is a big one. You might not know who this guy, know who this guy is. Glenn Greenwald with the article. Lowell will catch you up on who this guy is and why it's relevant to you, Lowell. Last Wednesday, this uh, general, he is the uh, ch- chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff here in the U.S. regime. Um, General Mark Milley, highest-ranking military officer in the United States, basically. Uh, He testified at a House hearing last Wednesday, uh, vehemently defended the teaching of critical race theory at West Point, and uh, referencing the January 6th Capitol riot, saying, it is important that we train and we understand. He says, I want to understand white rage, and I am white. So basically, he's buying into this notion of capital uh, critical race theory. He's buying into the 1619 Project. He's the highest-ranking military officer. He's implying that these kinds of things are should be taught at West Point and all military schools. Uh, basically, that uh, you know, uh, if you're white, then you are systemically flawed, and uh, and you're racist, basically, right? And so. Overnight, this General Milley now has become a new hero for liberalism here in, uh, in, in, in this country. But is there more to this, uh, you might call it a military salute to the notion that whites are systemically racist, right? Is there an explanation? And, um, and so Glenn, Glenn Greenwald believes there is. Uh, he says, given that all U.S. wars in the post-World War II era have been directed at predominantly non-white countries, which, like all wars, require to sustain the demonization campaign of, these, of those enemy populations, having top Pentagon officials become leading anti-racism warriors would be quite a remarkable transformation indeed, end of quote. So notice that, I mean, his Greenwald statement here is packed with information. Uh, number one, U.S. wars following World War II have been directed where? At predominantly non-white countries. You think about that, you know, Korean War. Think about the Vietnamese War. You think about the wars fought in the Middle East. Predominantly non-white countries. Well, when then why all of a sudden would it make sense for the Joint Chiefs of Staff to begin, you know, crowing about critical race theory? You know, and taking down the whites is systemically racist. I mean, that I don't know that those two compute. And then the second thing in his statement, which is very curious indeed, is this. He says, he admits that each of these wars included a sustained demonization campaign of the enemy population. Wow. So now think again. Think back to what he said. He referred to the January 6th riot at the Capitol which, you know, the lamestream media calls an insurrection. He refers to that, and then he said, well, we need to understand white rage. <laughs> so what's he doing there? I mean, that is, it, it doesn't follow to a logician. Uh, but, but, but what he said is, is this. He said, quote, what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and to try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America, end of quote? That was his question. 
Well, that's not even factually now, I find correct. this interesting, though, this white rage idea. I don't know that the individuals in America have white rage, with rare exception. I think governments and bankers seem to have white rage, though. They're the ones that have cranked up the military-industrial complex. They're the ones that are funding globally both sides of wars. They're probably not really into white rage as much as they are wanting to create a global tyranny. And white rage is the way to divide and hate, uh, as well as you know use the race war to... Uh, divide and conquer the peoples of the world and subject them to their tyranny. Uh, so anyway, it's kind of interesting, but I, but I agree that the warmongers in America seem to have white rage uh, against us. We the people, Lowell. Exactly. Uh, I think that's Greenwald's point. As we continue down the article, um, he says that uh, you know the post-World War II military posture of the U.S. has been endless war, and that's true. Uh, to enable that, he says, there must always be an, ex- an existential threat, a new and fresh enemy that can scare a large enough portion of the population with sufficient intensity to make them accept, even plead for, greater military spending, surveillance powers, and continuation of permanent war footing. Starring in that war-justifying role of villain have been, and then he lists these, like the communists in the 1960s, al-Qaeda, in the 1970s, it was a, a terrorist terrorism, right? ISIS in the 90s, Russia in the last uh, couple of decades, and, a, and an assortment of other fleeting foreign threats. Now, if you look at that progression, Sam, you, you, the communists, you know, the Red Scare of the 1950s and 60s, and then Al-Qaeda and ISIS, and, the, and, and then terrorism became the, the global threat, right? We, we, had this, we commenced this war on terror. Um, and then, of course, uh, we, we have the, uh, uh, the Middle Eastern um, uh, conflicts, ISIS, and, and so forth, are coming to get us, the, the boogeyman. And so you see the boogeyman change from decade to decade, and now we see this demonization of white rage, as a demonization of white, right, in, in our own country. It's like they're turning the barrels of their demonization program on us. Uh, right here in 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 the state. That that's what it seems like, and I think that's Greenwald's point. Um, that um, you know when it was, he talks about the lamestream media, he uh, he he quotes here as, as saying that Joe Biden um, and the whole intelligence community said there's no greater national security threat to the United States than um, the menace to American national security. It's domestic. That's where the threat is now. We have a domestic threat against the United States, domestic extremists, basically, far white, I mean, far right, white supremacist groups in particular that now pose the greatest threat to the safety of the homeland and to the people who reside in it. In other words, to justify the current domestic war on terror that has already produced and provoked billions in more military spending and intensified domestic surveillance, the Pentagon must ratify the narrative that those they are fighting in order to defend the homeland are, you guessed it, white, supremacist, domestic, terrorists. Now, Sam, you know the list of people who, you, you know the kinds of people that get on that list of, of domestic terrorists, right? I mean, it happened in the last decade when Ron Paul's organization and, and, uh, and other people got on this list of domestic terrorists. Well, who is it? It's the Bible-believing, Constitution-supporting, uh, John Birch Society members, Constitution 
upholding citizens, uh, those are the new domestic terrorist threat to, um, uh, you know, democracy or whatever they, they want. It's a threat to democracy. Well, uh, it's, it's going to serve the war machine's agenda if they can persuade this country to believe that, in, uh, that white domestic extremist supremacist is the most grave and pervasive systemic threat to our country. So, viewed through that lens, Greenwald concludes, it makes perfect sense that General Milley is spouting the theories and viewpoints that underlie this war framework in which depicts white supremacy and white rage as a foundational threat to the American homeland. It's a new domestic war on terror, he writes, against white supremacists and right-wing extremists, and it's it's uh, it's it's more just far more justifiable if, as General Milley strongly suggests, that it was white rage that fueled this insurrection on January 6, which, in the words of President Biden, is the greatest assault on American democracy since the Civil War. End of quote. Can you believe that? Yeah, the problem is I don't like that democracy word. Other than that, I agree. <laughs> Well, you got got that right because we have a republic here and uh, not a democracy, and uh, we we didn't even have a civil war here. We had some states left withdrew from the union, and then war of northern aggression, the, the war for southern independence. But but what he's saying is that, that all that aside is that this the, you know these people that went, entered the Capitol building on January sixth they represent the greatest assault on American democracy since the Civil War. And the greatest threat is being branched out to not only those who were there, which is wrong because the majority were peaceful, kind. The majority never even went into the Capitol building. But even the majority of those who did go into the Capitol building might have not, should have not gone in there. But they didn't commit any criminal activity. There was a very few provocateurs that did that. The rest didn't do anything. But now they're not only broadening it from those who went to the Capitol, wrongly attacking them as some kind of a threat. Now they're literally saying anybody who agrees with any conservative principles is a domestic threat, bordering on racist and terrorist, and the list goes on and on. Quick pause. Lowell Nelson with me, campaignforliberty.org. Abby Johnson was once director of a Planned Parenthood clinic in Bryan, Texas. After a moral crisis, she quit, and now she campaigns against what she once endorsed. They implement abortion quotas in all of their clinics. What do you mean quotas? You have to perform a certain number of abortions every month. Um, one of the reasons that I left... Are they explicit about that? Yes. It's, it's in your budget, right there on the line item. Uh, one of the reasons I left Planned Parenthood was because uh, in a budget meeting, I was told to double that abortion quota. And for me, as someone who had spoken to the media and had said, you know, we're about reducing the number of abortions. We're about, you right. know, prevention, all of these other services. I was shocked. To so hear since this. you actually worked at a Planned Parenthood, give us some sense of the relative number of abortions. Okay. Abortions, Planned Parenthood provides over 330,000 abortions a year. They right. are the largest single abortion provider in our country. As a parent, is receiving a faith-based, character-focused education for your children difficult to find? Do you believe that godly principles should be a central component in your child's education? 
Imagine a school where faith and integrity are at its center, where heritage and responsibility instill character. For over 40 years, American Heritage School has been educating both hearts and minds, bringing out academic excellence. This is the school where character and embracing the providence of a living God are fundamental, where students' national test scores average near the 90th percentile. With American Heritage School's Advanced Distance Education Program, distance is no longer an issue. With an accredited LDS-oriented curriculum from kindergarten through 12th grade, your children can attend from anywhere in the world. American Heritage School will prepare your child for more than a job. It will prepare them for life. To learn more, visit American-Heritage.org. That's American-Heritage.org. I want to dedicate this song to Mr. Rupert Murdoch. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen, Lowell Nelson, CampaignForLiberty.org, with me riding shotgun today. Biden undermines insurrection narrative and gun control push. We come back to the Capitol riots, they claim. Really provocateurs caused it all. Nobody's digging into the details, but we are. Could Biden gun control cross the American Rubicon? Eric Reiki with the article on this. Eric is an incredible guy. Uh, he's been with campaign, or I'm sorry, not campaign for liberty. Young, Young Americans for Liberty, which is really a division kind of of campaign for liberty, right, Lol? Yeah, it's the younger version of campaign for liberty. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, he's a senior spokesman for Young Americans for Liberty. He's a retired two-term Maine senator, and uh, he's been working on the constitutional carry law and everything else. I and mean, the guy's a hero in America, uh, but he really highlights this in a big way, Lol. He does, Sam. Uh, he uh, reminds us of the tensions that grew between King George and the colonists over the years, and they were running high for a variety of reasons, And but the colonists resisted peacefully for quite a number of years. But then what happened? Well, the year turned to 1775, and when the Crown's army arrived to confiscate the people's firearms in Concord, that's when the first shots were fired in the war for American independence. Now, let me let me stop there and say this, ladies and gentlemen, the government's going to take that as a terrorist threat on this radio program, because that's how they lie and play (laughs) games. And I'm going to call them out right now. Don't lie. okay? don't play games. The truth is, ladies and gentlemen, they will have started it because the Second Amendment is the inalienable God given right of self-defense. If the government crosses that line, they are the aggressor. We are in defense mode to protect our wives, our children, our families, and our sacred honor. Understand who the aggressor is. Don't let them lie to you and make you believe we're calling for this. We're just telling you what happened back in the revolutionary days, and we're telling you that we pray that it doesn't happen again. We will do all we can to prevent it from happening again. So don't let them lie to you and paint us as the aggressors. It will not fly. However, well, we will defend ourselves, though, because God says it's our duty. Let's be very clear, Lowell. Well put, Sam. As, as Tom, and you'd be uh, uh, speaking right along with Thomas Jefferson, who, in the Declaration of Independence, noted that we are, quote, disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable, end quote. But, and, and Eric Brakey points out here, Americans have never suffered any attempt to disarm the public. In the same manner that Romans feared a military general crossing the Rubicon with his army, Americans widely feared gun confiscation as a point of no return down our own road to serfdom. 
So turns out, Sam, we got constitutional carry in in in, a, in 20 states, and roughly a quarter of the American people live in a constitutional carry state. This is really mushroomed. It's grown. This movement has grown significantly in the last couple of decades. Well, so Biden is proposing some of the most radical anti-gun agenda of any American president ever. He wants to confiscate commonly owned rifles, you know, such as the AR-15. He, his uh, Department of Justice released model legislation recently for a super red flag bill that would allow anybody to, to uh, report on their fellow citizens for so-called dangerous behavior, resulting in the confiscation of their weapons without notice, without due process, total violation of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments. Uh, Biden will likely attempt to ransom federal taxpayer dollars to strong-arm the states into passage of this legislation, right? So basically, they're going to say that if you don't pass this legislation, you ain't going to get this money. He's even nominated David Chipman to lead the ATF. Chipman, as you, many of you know, is a prominent gun control activist and apologist for the carnage at Waco. turns out that the Senate Judiciary Committee voted 11-11 on his nomination last week. And But that, normally that would end everything right there, but for some reason it's coming to the floor of the Senate for a vote. But the very fact that the Senate has not yet voted on Chipman indicates that they don't have the vote yet to confirm his nomination. So that, means, that tells me, Sam, we got a lot of people calling the U.S. Senate and, and, uh, and insisting that they not support the nomination. And you, my fellow Americans, ought to be one of them. Yeah, absolutely right. And so Brakey basically ends his column saying Joe Biden should learn from the example of King George that con confiscation is the one tyranny Americans will never stand for. Americans are winning back their right to keep and bear arms with constitutional carry state by state. We're not let, and we're not about to let Washington D.C. disarm us. So uh, uh, you know he, he needs to learn to that. from history. Amen. Yep, yep, and, and again, they're the ones that will be forcing the narrative because right now we're all peaceful and fine. Don't cross that line. I'm telling you right now, not that I want any violence. I'm just saying that is something that is not acceptable in America. Uh, we have the rule of law for a reason. And the rule of law now says, Hey, government has no authority to take our weapons and or interfere with our right to keep and bear arms. It shall not be infringed. And all the encroachments that we have to date are the abuses Thomas Jefferson spoke about. I don't like them, but we'll be patient about that. We need to overturn them. We need to work within the system to resolve them. I get it. But don't cross that line or else, you know what? You force us to take off the gloves in self-defense. Got it? Good. Thank you very much. Now, there's one other tidbit. I don't want to miss this headline. I want to get to it, Lowell, then the final article for the hour. Biden undermines insurrection narrative with gun control push. This is something that we don't want to overlook because I think this is critical to understand uh, as well. Explain that one. Yeah, he said something recently that undermines this notion that the January 6th uh, attack on the Capitol was the greatest assault on the American democracy since the Civil War. Just now listen to what he, he said. He has introduced the, the, the gun control uh, push. He said that, uh, you know, uh, patriots, he called them. I'm not sure what he called them. I can't remember. But he said, you know, the patriot types who would, uh, seek to to uh, overthrow the the U.S. would need a would need fighter jets and maybe nuclear weapons. Um, his bizarre claim that U.S. military could only be countered by fighter jets and maybe nuclear weapons was quickly challenged online by people pointing out 
that the Afghans and the Vietnamese seem to have managed just fine without those weapons. And and then others uh, said that uh, the assault on the Capitol was a few dozen unarmed men beating on some windows and uh, and walking into the Capitol building. And that, <laughs> I kid you not, was the greatest assault on democracy since the Civil War. That is unbelievable, <laughs> right? He says patriots are going to need F-15s and some nuclear weapons to move against their government. Well, and so someone tweeted this at Someone tweeted, pick a narrative, <laughs> right? I mean, you can't have it both ways. You can't call the January 6th a riot in Washington, D.C., that's a so-called assault on the U.S. Capitol to be the greatest assault on American democracy since the Civil War, and then also say that in order to move against this government, you're going to need some F-16s and some nuclear bombs. You can't have it both ways. <laughs> so someone said, pick a narrative. I mean, it's just hilarious, Sam. But anyway, that's the hypocrisy of this, of, of what Joe Biden says. I mean, any time you listen to him, it's kind of like very entertaining because he just puts his foot in his mouth every time he speaks. And this is just one of those cases um, where he doesn't know what he's talking about and um, just totally undermines his own, his, his, or, his the original narrative that the, that the January 6th thing was the greatest assault on American democracy. Damn. And we we understand we don't have a democracy. We're using that word because that's the word that they are, are using, ladies and gentlemen. Let's be clear. We know we have a constitutional uh, republic. Uh, you can even say it's a constitutional democratic republic if you want to be, you know. But fine. We don't have a democracy, though. And the fact that he even articulates, you know, that it's threatening our democracy proves that he shouldn't even be president of the United States. Any president who suggests we have a democracy, in my opinion, should be absolutely kicked out on his ear. Um, because you know what? You can't run around and pretend we have a democracy or you don't understand the moral component of our nation. You don't understand the checks and balances of our nation. And therefore, you shouldn't be the commander in chief of such a, a, uh, a country that you don't understand. How can you keep a republic if you think we have a democracy? Uh, OK, it's just crazy town. Uh, but I digress. There you have it. All right. Final story of the hour uh, talks about spike proteins, ladies and gentlemen. The spike protein is the killer. Beware of mRNA vaccines. Peter Koenig with the article. Well, awesome article found at LewRockwell.com. He quotes Josh Middledorf uh, to describe spike proteins. I thought this is very interesting. The spike protein is the part of the virus structure that interfaces with host cells. SARS-1 and SARS-2 viruses both have spike proteins that bind to a human cell receptor called ACE2. That's A. Or Alpha Charlie Edward, uh, or Alpha Charlie Echo dash two ACE two receptors, right? They, they they bind to the ACE two receptors, which is common. These ACE two receptors are common in lung cells, uh, which explains why so many of the, the coronavirus patients, you know, had respiratory problems. So these are common in lung cells, but also present in other parts of the body. So binding to the cell's ACE2 receptor is like the wolf knocking on the door of Little Red Riding Hood's grandmother saying, Hello, Grandmama, I'm your granddaughter. Please let me in. And the virus is a wolf wearing a red cape and hood, pretends to be an ACE2 enzyme molecule seeking entrance to the cell. Right? So the inventor, of, so that, that's the definition or the description of a spike protein. That's what's being injected when 
you get this uh, authorization, emergency authorization use injection, you're getting a gel of this this stuff, this uh, these spike proteins, and they're binding to the ACE2 receptor cells in your body, which which are found uh, a lot of them in the ovaries and in um, and in the spermatozoa, which is affecting our fertility rate in this country, um, and it's resulting in miscarriages in pregnant women. There's a lot of ACE2 receptor cells in the uh, in the umbilical cord, the uh, you know between mothers and daughters, mothers and children. Um, and so, what makes the M messenger RNA va non-vaccine so dangerous is that it produces spike proteins throughout every cell in the human body. You know, it results in medical uh, blood clotting disorders. It results in infertility. Um, anyway, this article goes into uh, something new, which first time I've re read this word called magneto magnetofection or magneto magnetofection. Mag I think is how you say it. Okay, magnetofection. Yep. It's an ag aggressive magnetic gel delivery system, which is in these vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. Um, and Johnson and Johnson, right? Included in the injection to transport the spike protein in warp speed into every cell of the human body. The German manufacturer, uh, Chemicell GmbH in, for Ber in Berlin, um, uh, they, they sell, they say, they claim this magnetic gel is not for use in humans. And yet Moderna and Pfizer are using it in their messenger RNA experimental gene therapy injections, which they falsely call a vaccine. Bottom line, Sam, do not take the jab. Not only are numerous thousands of people dying now after they take the jab, but there will be many, many more in the future who die from un so-called unknown causes because they took the jab now setting them up for destruction and death later. Sam? Ladies and gentlemen, this is serious business. You can say we're up in the night. You can say we're crazy, but it's kind of like UFOs. I don't know what the identified flying objects are, but we told you they existed. Government told you they didn't. Now they admit they lied. We we're right all along, just like they've done with almost every single topic we talk about. You know, I say almost because the other ones they haven't admitted to yet, but they're coming around. The truth shall set us free. Lowell Nelson, thank you, sir. You're welcome, Sam. Good to be with you. Campaignforliberty.org. Great job, Lowell. We declare this nation shall endure. God save the republic. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk, radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman, live on your radio, hard-hitting news. The network refused to use, no doubt, continues now. This is hard-hitting talk at your fingertips, as always. Lowell Nelson doing a phenomenal job. We thank him for the last hour. Dr. Scott Bradley with me today. This is the broadcast for June 28th in the year of our Lord, 2021. Hour 2 at 2. Doctor, welcome back to Liberty Roundtable Live, sir. Well, uh, thank you very much. I um, uh, 
I, I don't know what you've got on your mind today. I've got a few things that I think you'd have to kind of plow some ground with me a little bit to get through it. But um, I think it's—I think your audience may find it interesting, at least uh, food for thought. Now, I don't know. Maybe we're going to talk about. All right, let's do a couple. Of, let's do a couple of quick headlines, really fast, and then we'll get okay. to your topic. First one is Donald Trump had his first rally coming out of the gate since he was kicked out of the White House. And he starts out by saying, he's telling the rally that he's trying to save democracy. USA Today with the peace. Why on earth would we want to save a democracy? We don't have a democracy. What democracy is trying to save? Is he completely ignorant or is he just peddling the porn of dishonesty and immorality to destroy the country? And I don't mean to attack Trump like this so hard. I know you Trump lovers are going to hate it. But I'm telling you, what do you mean you're coming out of the gate? You were president for four years. You get kicked out of office, and now you're going to come back and have a big rally and tell me you're trying to save democracy? I don't want to save a democracy. Our founders said you have a republic if you can keep it. Now, why would we then want to save democracy? Do we think, okay, do we think there's no difference between the two? If you think that kind of thing after being the president for four years, I don't mean to be offensive, but you're so ignorant you should never, ever, ever be allowed to serve in any office in this land. Now, maybe that's a little too harsh, doctor, but I'm telling you right now, what are we talking about? You know, this, this democracy thing has become a, it's metastasized into one of the most malignant cancers. I mean, and I, I'm not overstating this a bit, I don't believe, that right now is facing the nation. Um, this, the difference between republics and democracies, and by the way, the democracy thing is, is uh, fostered from everybody from the highest office in the nation to political hacks everywhere to media people to People in um, in education, uh, it, it's across the board, and it's a false thing. And I'll tell you why in just a minute that they're pushing it so hard. But first of all, let me tell you what the the uh, founding fathers did. As you say, when uh, the founding fathers came out of the convention on September 17, 1787, and and Franklin said to the woman, "A democracy, uh, yeah, a democracy." Uh, the reason I'll say that is because of something they're saying now. There, but a republic, if you can keep it. Some friends of ours went back to Philadelphia in the Constitution Hall recently, and, and the uh, docent or the park ranger or whatever said that he said a democracy, if you can keep it. When he came out, he did not. He said a republic, if you can keep it. But you need to understand that uh, the founders understood very well the difference between republics and democracies. The um, uh, Edmund Randolph, uh, in May, when the convention was just beginning, gave a speech before the convention that said that they were meant to get rid of the follies of democracy. Uh, of course, they require every every state to have a republic. And, of course, if you read the Federalist Papers, which uh, sadly almost nobody has anymore, but there's 85 essays, and uh, they were written to convince America to uh, ratify the Constitution. And in the first um, Federalist Paper... Uh, Hamilton writes, if th these are intended to prove to you that this is a republic, I'm, I'm paraphrasing obviously, salted throughout, not in every single Federalist paper, but throughout many of them, they discuss republics. In the 85th Federalist paper, the final one, um, Hamilton wrote, if we haven't convinced you this is a republic, uh, you must reject the Constitution. I'll just do one other little quick story here. Oh, maybe two. I don't know. 
when uh, Edmond Jeannette came from France, uh, a revolutionary Frenchman that uh, had uh, been part of the French Revolution, came here as a ambassador uh, during the Washington administration. And, uh, it, it's a whole long story about why it was so offensive to Washington and, and Jefferson, who was Secretary of State at the time. But uh, Edmund Jeannette uh, went across the country starting Democratic-Republican clubs. Washington and Jefferson, when they heard of it, were absolutely livid. They vocally and voraciously opposed the Democratic-Republican clubs. They died ignominious deaths. Um, the people that claim that guys like Jefferson were, were Democratic-Republicans are absolutely false at no time, any time, ever did any of the Founding Fathers claim that title. These were revisionists that later on uh, gave that party title, if you will, to Jefferson and those that were of his ilk. The problem is that um, in the Communist Manifesto, Marx says that they must win this, this battle for democracy before they can implement communism. Lenin, in 1916, made a dramatic statement about the time that Woodrow Wilson was making the world safe for democracy. Lenin made a, uh, a powerful statement about the importance of the interim step of democracy before communism could be implemented. And Chairman Matt, well, he wasn't chairman at the time, but in the 1930s, he made numerous statements about the twofold or double-step process necessary to go from whatever society was in the country that they were in to become a, a, a communist country, they had to go through a, a democracy phase. So you can see that the diametrically opposed contradictions between what the American founders wanted and what the guys of the Woodrow Wilson ilk and, and, and Marx and Lenin and Mao and... Hold on, Anybody and Bush, and Trump, and Obama, exactly. and Biden, and I don't mean to be rude, but they're all really of the same ilk. Either they're ignorant, or they're peddling this uh, agenda. And I don't know in Trump's case which it is, but it doesn't matter. The damage continues is the point, because the American people aren't educated enough to understand what we have and what we're going to lose. The reason they want democracy is because all the checks and balances are tossed in the trash heap of history. Uh, and the checks and balances and the moral component of looking to God Almighty is jettisoned in a democracy. Uh, the ruling numbers win. And as long as you can agitate the ruling numbers to be against principle, then you've won. That's why it eventually devolves into anarchy and then tyranny uh, on the heels of democracy. Some call it demon crazy because the uh, society just goes psychotic uh, and then eventually devolves into, well, now there's a... Uh, nobody in charge with this democracy except for mob rule. And then eventually somebody says, well, we got to fill the vacuum. And usually a, a tyrannical agenda style, either group or government or individual, fills that void, right? Well, there's no question. That's exactly what happened at the uh, French Revolution as it gotten so deep in the blood. People were trying to be saved from themselves. They were looking for some hero to perform that role emerged uh, Napoleon, he says, yeah, I can do this, but you got to give me uh, unequivocal, unlimited power, and I'll be emperor for life and all that kind of stuff. We all know how happily ever after that landed when when Napoleon marched back and forth, tromped around Europe, uh, killing generations of, of, of uh, well, all Europeans. Of course, a whole generation of young French men were killed. But But the point of the matter really truly is, well, I guess I guess I'll refer you to my book. I've got a substantial 
section in my book called The Democracy Deception. And um, it's, uh, it, it, it reviews much of the danger of democracies, the idea of how democracy worked in, in ancient Athens, uh, how the founding fathers knew all of this stuff, how it resulted in, in uh, a whole bunch of miscarriage of justice, and it is really, truly mob rule that, um, you know, majority rules, the, the minority loses their rights, and uh, whatever wolves are out there bargaining over the life of a sheep, the sheep always loses. So, yeah, it's an absolute facade, and I, I think it's tragic that uh, people of the highest office and formerly of the high, highest office in this nation continue to foster that. Well, the and especially when they, this guy's supposed to have replaced Reagan as the greatest conservative in, in modern times or in history or whatever you want to uh, – shame on the Donald, ladies and gentlemen. At his latest rally, he's trying to save democracy, according to USA Today. Now, here's my headline relating to this. You ready? Governments are weaponizing fear and anxiety to totally destroy liberty in America. Well, they've been they've been really great at weaponizing fear, and they've done a whole bunch of progress in the last fifteen months. You must fear, you must doubt. Oh, ain't it awful? We're all going to die, and uh, of course they're going to do it now. Climate change and all that kind of. I mean, every step of the way, they're realizing that they're they're hurting a bunch of scared rabbits. And, and the, by and large, the, the you know the the greatest generation is pretty well gone, if you will, if you use that you know denominator, if you will, in the way a lot of people have used that. But in today's generation, a bunch of woke rabbits that are hiding, hunkering, bunkering down, um, were they think they've got a pretty good formula. This this idea, and, and by the way, you know, in talking about anything, you know, anything. You look about how they do this, like the the vaccine, so-called. Um, you know, they use first of all, they use fear, then they use flattery, then they use bribery, then they use compulsion. We're really approaching quickly the compulsory kind of thing, and all of this uh, de- devolution, if you will, of of this American society that was so great for so long. And uh, it's time for Americans to wake up. Or we're amen, be... amen to that. And speaking of that, my next headline, which we'll cover right after the break, then we'll get to Dr. Scott Bradley's unique topics that he has. But listen to this. The virus that causes COVID-19 did not originate at the Wuhan Seafood Market confirms a new study. I'll explain the details in seconds. Now they're blatantly admitting they lied. Scott Bradley here. Most Americans are painfully aware that the nation is on the wrong track and in dire straits. Unfortunately, most political pundits only nibble around the edges when they claim to address the issues. Even worse, many of the so-called solutions are simply rewarmed servings of what got us into the mess we currently face. And the politicians think we're so gullible and naive that we'll buy their lies that they have reformed and now understand where they led us astray. Unfortunately, the truth of the matter is that they simply wish to continue to hold power. The solution to America's challenges is found in returning to the timeless principles found in the United States Constitution. My book and lecture series will reawaken in Americans an understanding and love of the principles which made this nation the freest, most prosperous, happiest, and most respected nation on earth. Visit to preservethenation.com and order my book and lectures to begin the restoration of this great nation. 
Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. All right, Dr. Bradley with me, ladies and gentlemen. FreedomsRisingSun.com is website. If you want to get his book, incredible book, ladies and gentlemen, To Preserve the Nation. It has a segment or a chapter in there talking about democracy, the great deception. Now you got literally Donald Trump, shame on the Donald, running around going, yeah, I'm here to save democracy. Well, I don't want you to try to save democracy, buddy. We don't even have one. I don't know what democracy around the world you're trying to save, but it sure ain't mine. Sure ain't ours, because we don't have a democracy in America, ladies and gentlemen. I know they're trying to create one and then save it, but you'll never save democracy. Democracies, historically, are flat-out unsavable. It's a failed government, uh, whatever you want to call it, philosophy <laughs> that has been tried and fails every single time. Okay, so shame on the Donald for that. Uh, but I want to mention this one ar- uh, article, then we'll get the Dr. Hey, Bradley's hey, content. Yes, sir. Just before we move on beyond that, I, I yes, used a kind of a euphemistic term that maybe some of your listeners have never had an experience with. Just before the break, I talked about herding scared rabbits and, and talking to the society that we're in currently now. Now, when I was young, <laughs> sometimes we had some huge rabbit infestations in the agricultural areas. And these rabbits were, were just eating the farmers out of house and home, just devastating their crops. And there would there would be rabbit drives that were organized, and you'd get a whole bunch of men and boys together and, and girls if they wanted to participate, but it wasn't nearly as often. But at any rate, you'd, you'd, you'd basically line up in a long line, drive the rabbits in front of you into a, a kind of a enclosed capturing area. And it sounds brutal. But it was the farmer's livelihood, and at that point, you could you could kill the rabbits out. There'd be thousands, oftentimes, thousands of rabbits uh, that were just hopping all over the place. But but you know, it was necessary to remove them from the you know whether it was a locust infestation or a rabbit infestation, the crop the crops were going to be destroyed. But but what happened was the rabbits were driven to, into a place of slaughter. And I guess that's kind of a sanitized way of putting it. But the the point is, we're being delivered to the slaughterhouse. I think as a nation, and and we're being driven like scared rabbits. And and there's no more fighting the people than there was in those rabbits or sheep or whatever that the wolves are. Yeah, lemmings off the cliff is another uh, example that kind of highlights the reality of what we're experiencing, ladies and gentlemen. Indeed. But let me give you the example though. They used this coronavirus to literally lock us down for a year. And a half, folks. They claimed at the start, you know, hey, we just got to have 10 days, two weeks. But they lied and locked us down way longer. Now, here's the latest. They also said that it came from a uh, Wuhan 
seafood market. They lied. Now they got caught. They said that anybody who thought that it came from a lab was a conspiracy theorist, a wacko, no credibility whatsoever. Shame on them. Shut down for fake news. Da 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 da. Right. Well, now in USA Today of all places, the virus that causes COVID nineteen did not originate at the Wuhan seafood market. Confirms a new study, and the studies of deleted. Gene sequences. Listen to me carefully. The study is relating to deleted gene sequences. From the virus's earliest days, the sequences, these gene sequences, had been posted to a website run by the National Institutes of Health. Now, that's not anything but Americans, supposedly, right? But were removed for unknown reasons. Now, when you say unknown reasons, you got to be clear. They don't want to attack, but the reality is, hey, they lied, they deleted it, they played games, they got caught. Now, imagine locking down the whole world, with few exception countries, and imagine locking down the United States harder than any other country, and imagine literally destroying businesses, and on the heels of that then, trying to force the jab. A fake vaccine that's not even uh, tested, not even approved in America, except for emergency use. All right, beware of the protein killer. Beware of the mRNA vaccines. Peter Koenig wrote an incredible article about this, but don't take the jab. Anyway, I digress, except to say they knew. And they literally shut down businesses left and right. Small business took a beating. They literally forced socialism down our throats with handouts to everybody. They literally destroyed our economy. They, and now they go, well, I guess we deleted that. We're not really sure how. And I guess it really wasn't um, the seafood markets like we said. It was really the lab. And now you've got to say before we kind of said, well, it was leaked from the lab, maybe accidentally. But with all this on the heels, Dr. Bradley, you've got to say this was intentional. The leak could not have been by accident, or there's no way they would have taken advantage of this to this degree with such timing, such precision, such totality, sir. Well, you know, I've been saying for months and months and months, I mean, you know, like 15 months probably now, crimes against humanity have been committed. We need Nuremberg trials again. I mean, we have lost, uh, literally, if, if you go by their numbers, millions of people's lives based upon how not only this thing came about, but in addition to that, the way they've, they've destroyed lives from suicides and drug abuse and spouse abuse and homelessness and economic destruction, and the theft of elections. I mean, this whole thing has been a crime against humanity, and I believe that uh, there are some very prominent individuals in this country that should be on the docket to have uh, the outcomes that I think the Nazis had back in, in 1946. So that's how dramatic I believe this needs to be responded to. We need to go, push back and say, uh, never again, never will we allow such a debauchery, a, a diabolical plan to be carried out against us. And uh, unfortunately, the powers that be are, again, part of those uh, scared rabbits that we've talked about. They're part of those that, that would be our masters. I mean, there's a whole spectrum of people that, uh, that currently are trying to take full advantage of this. 
it's interesting to me that <laughs> I always talk about, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the people that after 9-11, there was a lot of patriotism. People were excited and all this kind of stuff. They started some organizations, you know, Americanist perspectives and everything like that. They've all basically been co-opted, captured, if you will, by people that wanted to get in front of those parades because they saw a crowd gathering and they wanted to use it for their own benefit. And so they, they really have kind of lost the pure intention that many that started them had to begin with. And sometimes when I talk to large groups and people are excited, enthusiastic about that, I say, hey, just a minute, let's talk about this. What, what's, what's the outcome of this? People today are trying to get in front of the parade that's been going on for the, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve. It's now over 60 weeks. Um, and they're going to they're going to just kind of roll it over to an environmental thing or something. I mean, there's there's some other nonsense up their sleeve to continue the roll towards abject, total, complete tyranny. And they're not ready to get away from the front of the parade at this point. So, yeah, I, I think Nuremberg trials, I don't know what we're going to call them now, uh, because, uh, you know, you couldn't hardly have them in New York because what happened there or Washington, D.C. call them the Cocoa Trials, sir. Whatever. That may be true, but, but the fact is we need a place to hold them. Uh, and I don't know, Nuremberg is where they did them before in Germany. But, but the reason I say New York or, or D.C. or California or, I mean, wherever, I mean, these people, the, the people that are running those places truly were some that should be on trial. I mean, and and here's the problem. Kind of... You know, you got Fauci, who I believe is completely culpable. He lied, 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 and he claimed that he lied for legitimate reasons. But you know what? That's not acceptable. No. But furthermore, though, Donald kept Fauci there. I don't know why. And now Donald is, you know, he advocated for the vaccines. He uh, literally now wants to defend democracy. And I'm not here to attack Donald Trump. I know that he's done a lot of good, too. But look. This happened on Donald's watch. The whole shutdown, I mean, the comeback starting to be, for the most part, under Biden. Now, that's by design as well to destroy the Republicans and the conservatives to some degree. But why would Donald go for this? Is he really that naive to think we have a democracy and really that naive, even though he pointed to the Wuhan lab early on, but no one gave him credibility? Um, even his, Even Fauci went against the president on this. Okay, but yet the truth needed to come out earlier. If we had this information about these gene sequences being deleted from the National Institutes of Health database, um, certainly we could have found out about it before a year and a half later. Okay, so all I'm telling you is where does Donald fit into this? Because at some point, how culpable would he be? I don't know that we can answer the question without really getting classified information and documents to know what he knew when, where, kind of like the emails, you know, put the truth out on Fauci, kind of like the understanding the gene sequences were deleted, now knowing that from this uh, research study. Where would the president, Donald Trump, be in this? And on one hand, we hail him as one of the greatest presidents, and to some degree, justly so. But to some degree, you got to go. Some of the worst things in our whole country have happened under Donald's watch. Let's have Dr. Scott Bradley respond to that, and then when we get back, it's all yours, doctor. Hang tight. Liberty Roundtable, live. Exposing corruption, informing citizens, pursuing liberty. You're listening to Liberty News Radio.
USA Radio News with Lance Pride. More bodies have been recovered over the weekend from the building collapse in Surfside, Florida. Miami-Dade County Mayor Daniela Levine-Cava says that this is a slow, tedious process. We have six to eight squads that are on the pile, actively searching at any given time. We need to be sure that uh, the, the pile does not uh, fall on them, that it does not fall on any possible survivors. Reports are coming out Monday. The developers of the condo tower that collapsed were once accused of paying off local officials to get permits for the site, which needed $15 million in repairs just to bring it to code. On Sunday, the United States conducted airstrikes against the Iran-backed militia groups in the Iraq-Syria border region. The militias, they say, were behind recent drone attacks against U.S. military personnel in Iraq. USA Radio News. You know, if you feel like you're stuck with a health care plan that isn't affordable or you simply don't like it, right now is a great time to switch to MediShare. The typical family saves $500 a month when they join MediShare. And what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to the typical health insurance plan. That's double. So you get a massive network of providers to choose from. You get telehealth services. And MediShare is the most trusted name in healthcare sharing. It's been around for more than 25 years, shared more than $4 billion in healthcare bills. Here's why now really is the time to make the switch, too. You can start saving each month, which is huge, but right now they'll waive your joining fee. So you'll save another $170 right off the bat. But again, it's a limited time offer. You got to call now and it only takes two minutes to find out how much you'd save by switching. Here's the number 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833-34-BIBLE. 833-34-BIBLE. The national average for a gallon of gasoline is up more this week per gallon. Now, a number of other factors means gas is going to cost even more come July 1st. John Clemens with the Texas USA Radio News Bureau explains. Oil industry analyst Trilby Lumberg tells us about the factors for any additional increases. Some states are hiking their fuel taxes starting July 1. So there's a few reasons that we might see a few more pennies at the pump sometime soon. California will have the biggest impact on the national average beginning July 1st. The biggest one to affect the average will be California. That's upwards towards one penny. But then there's another couple of pennies in certain fees. So there's a number of states where costs are going up in various forms, mainly fuel taxes, but also wage and other business cost hikes. From the USA Radio News, Texas Bureau. I'm John Clemens. Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News. All right, back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm telling you right now that I don't believe this could be an accident. You literally destroy the whole economy. It all happened on Donald Trump's watch. Now, Donald was wise enough to take kind of a back seat. He's like, hey, this is horrible, but I'm going to let the states do the bidding. He let all the state governors shut everybody down and everything else. Uh, But government agencies participated, too, in the dishonesty and the lie. Was Donald Trump just betrayed and ignorant? Is he betrayed and ignorant when it comes to wanting to preserve and save democracy as well? Or... uh, Was Donald really in on it? I don't know how we can answer that without getting more classified information, doctor. But you got to ask the question, was the lab leak intentional? 
Did America cover it up? Was this taken advantage of to change the affairs of the nation? Now, you can't blame it on Democrats because the Republicans were in whole hog as well, including the president. I mean, he made some rumblings that he disagreed with certain things, but he didn't take any serious action. He was the one that literally used government force to make companies be drafted into government service to make these breathing devices, right? Okay, so look, he was in all the way. What do you think that all means? Any, any, any way to break that down in your mind, Dr. Bradley? Well, no, it would take a, a large discussion, to, but it would never look good for uh, the Donald or, or anybody that was involved in it. I mean, I, I often say people are ignorant, deceived, or deceivers, and, uh, and, and shame on them. Shame on us. Shame on us for not having, you know, uh, uh, Hosea and Isaiah both made similar statements about the people being destroyed for lack of knowledge. And uh, if we can't connect the dots, if we cannot uh, recognize when violations are occurring, uh, when overstepping is done, we don't have an elected monarch. Uh, our governors are not elected monarchs. Our health departments are not elected monarchs. Everything that happens has a check and a balance that was designed very wisely into it. And we have abandoned those things to the point where you know, we might as well have elected monarchs that wave of a magic wand suddenly mandates become law. And uh, and you talk about the fascist program that was implemented. You mentioned uh, about the uh, uh, ventilators that, that, that they commandeered manufacturing processes in, in order to be able to build more manufacturing facilities for, for ventilators. Ventilators were a death sentence. In virtually every case, anybody that ended on a, on a ventilator died because it was the wrong modality for treatment. So anyway, I mean, this reading for comprehension, this uh, idea of, of cognitive learning, we've got to get back to that position in America today where we can think and we can act. And by the way, I'm, you know, it's, it's, there's a concerted effort to keep us from being able to do that because of deplatforming. I've been deplatformed. Um, one of the effort, efforts that we use to get uh, words out We've been found to be whoa, way too far out there. Community standards, I mean, you know, we're just, we just don't meet those standards. And so, so it, ways and means of communicating are being shut down. The First Amendment is at risk. I mean, everything. Uh, and you talk about where the Donald is on this thing. Uh, I believe he's culpable. I believe we are culpable. I believe that every person at every level of the government is culpable. We have been a go-along-to-get-along society, and I can... I think I can expose that truth at every single level, given enough time to run through the facts. And, and I believe it's just time for Americans to say, nope, we're done. We're, we're moving forward. We're going back to the principles this nation was established under. But that presupposes an understanding of what those are. Well, it's not a democracy, folks. <laughs> amen to that. And you got to really understand, too, when Donald Trump, for the whole last year of his presidency, was under the gun for this coronavirus scandal, and whether he really knew better and, and didn't have the mojo to, to stand up against the deep state or whether he would have been killed for it. You know, it's hard to know behind the scenes really what President Trump was facing as well. So I don't mean to be 100 percent critical. It could have been that he was 100 percent in the know, but they threatened to kill him. And he's like, well, at least if I can stay alive, maybe I can do some good. And I don't really know the behind the scenes. So it's hard for me to be too critical of individuals, you know, but I but I bring this up because, you know, at, at some somewhere, someday, somehow, there needs to be accountability uh, and, and push back on this. But would Joe Biden be president 
uh, if we didn't have that lie for over a year? See, I don't think so. And you can say, well, that doesn't really have any effect on it. Come on. You know what? That's a long-term plan to change the election even to some degree. I mean, uh, you know, you think, well, maybe Trump locked everybody down. Trump can't get the vaccine out. Trump, Trump, Trump. But it isn't about Trump. It's about what did they do to manipulate everything in our society, the economy, all the way through to the election of the leader of the free world. Um, serious, serious questions uh, relate to this. All right, Dr. Bradley, what'd you have? I'm sorry to use so much time, but hopefully that <laughs> news is really bombshell important. Hey, the virus that causes the COVID-19, folks, it wasn't in a food or seafood market. That's a lie. And now they're blatantly admitting it, even in places like USA Today. That's worthy of note. All right, Dr. Bradley, go. Well, I don't know if 15, 20 minutes is going to be anywhere nearly adequate, because this, I think, this story really probably exceeds and overshadows what we've just been talking about. I mean, yeah, we're talking about the destruction of all freedom across all the nations of the world. But what I wanted to bring up today, and we may end up uh, being able to get into it a little bit, but uh, war is the most onerous burden that any nation takes upon itself. Uh, just wars are almost non-existent. I mean, if you look through history and you do a, 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 a real honest evaluation of things, they really are not generally just. It's, it's because of uh, some kind of intrigue that went on. Well, here today, today marks the 107th anniversary of the beginning, uh, effectively, of World War I. Uh, the Archduke of, of Austria and his wife Sophie were murdered by a secret combination. Again, these are conspiracies. Serbian, they're called the Black Hand. They murdered him and his wife as they were in uh, Bosnia-Herzegovina, which is a whole long story about what the founders said about that and why that is an origin of a lot of problems. But and, and uh, Hold on, went, hold on. In other words, we should not have been there meddling in the affairs of foreign nations in the first place. Well, that, that's where I'm going with this, and it was the founder's intent. But 107 years ago today, Archduke and his wife were killed. 102 years ago today, the Treaty of Versailles was signed. And uh, so, you know, the war to end all wars, yada, 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 all that kind of good stuff. And when we know who was involved in the, in the, in the uh, Versailles Treaty, the Woodrow Wilsons of the world and the Dulles brothers and so on, the globalists, if you will, that ultimately and finally put into that uh, uh, Versailles Treaty. They they basically wove into the treaty. If you bought onto the treaty, you became part of a global government called the League of Nations. Now, fortunately, the U.S. Senate did not ever ratify that treaty, but they had another go at it you know, with the United Nations Treaty, which they got sucker punched into. But the point of the matter is that um, that war was completely, completely unjust war. The United States should never have been on that war. We came in in 1917. But by the way, Wilson and Dulles and all those guys were in 1916 in Europe working on this global government, this uh, League of Nations and the Versailles Treaty, which ultimately came forth in 1919. But the point of the matter is that the American founding fathers spoke eloquently and powerfully against this idea of uh, entangling alliances and, and going to war on behalf of other people. And, and I could give you quotes for you know, several hours, if you will, about their statements and their positions on these things, their pleadings with us, and and it's unequivocal where they were coming from. But we have abandoned those. And by the way, these go back, if you will, to 1648, the Westphalian Treaty, which was the basis of the success they hoped to get 
with the Declaration of Independence in 1776. So, I mean, this supranational intervention on things. Okay, so what's all this? Well, the United Nations uh, Treaty, and it was ratified by the Senate, only two voted against it, the only two that had read it, uh, says basically if the United Nations says we go to war, we go to war. And that's where Truman took us to war with Korea against the Constitution. And we can prove what the Founding Fathers said about going to war without congressional authorization as required in Article 1, Section 8. So, but beyond that, too, and part of that, there are what they call regional arrangements. Uh, they can be economic and they can be defense arrangements. NATO is a regional arrangement under the United Nations. It was signed in April of 1949, and read it carefully. And it says specifically that if we go to, if somebody goes to war against one of the, the signatories on that treaty, we are immediately brought into war. Uh, that's what we've fought Afghanistan under, for example. I mean, all of these regional arrangements that are under the United Nations, and by the way, they're under the guise, under the supervision of the United Nations. That's what we got in Bosnia, for example. Herzegovina, you know, let's uh, think about the World War One thing. Okay, okay, okay. What does all this have to do with anything right now? For the last 15 years, Ukraine has been trying to get into NATO, which is a regional arrangement under the United Nations, which says if if, if Ukraine goes to war with anybody, we got to go to war for them. It sounds like we got to take another break. Yeah, what we create, that- what we create is international organizations, globally speaking, that literally wage war. They feed into the military-industrial complex. They fund both sides of war, and it's all designed to divide and conquer and take down liberty. Hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. Liberty Roundtable Live. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt, and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. You know where the solution can be found, Mr. President? In churches, in wedding chapels, in maternity wards across the country and around the world. More babies will mean forward-looking adults, the sort we need to tackle long-term, large-scale problems. American babies in particular are likely going to be wealthier, better educated, and more conservation-minded than children raised in still industrializing countries. As economist Tyler Cowen recently wrote, quote, by having more children, you're making your nation more populous, thus boosting its capacity to solve climate change. The planet does not need for us to think globally and act locally so much as it needs us to think family and act personally. The solution to so many of our problems at all times and in all places is to fall in love, get married and have some kids.
and gentlemen, the real issue is when are wars just and when are they not? And sadly, we become a warlike people, and war is what's going to literally change the game in America finally. They're going to finally realize the only way they can destroy this country is by forcing war upon us and the devastation that war causes. Dr. Bradley? Okay, so on this date, in, uh, this was June 28, 1914, the Archduke gets assassinated by the Serbian uh, Black Hamp. The Austria declares war on Serbia. Serbia looks to Big Brother, Russia. They had an entangling alliance with them. Russia declared war on, on Austria. Austria looked to Big Brother, Germany. And Germany declared war on Russia. And so it went across Europe, and by August, the entire world, the, well, basically the European world, except for the United States, was, which isn't Europe, but, it, but we have close ties there, was engulfed in a war that became the, a horrific war for years. Millions and millions and millions of people killed it. It led to the Bolshevik Revolution and all those kinds of things that happened in Russia and uh, the destabilizing of the world and so on and so forth. The Spanish flu, everything, everything because of the debauchery of war. At any rate, so what happens? The United States had no, no dog in the fight or skin in the game or anything like that. Woodrow Wilson and his cronies that were globalists ultimately got us in the war in spite of what they were uh, you know, creating for public consumption, uh, got us into the war in 1917. Totally, totally, completely, unequivocally not our fight. Completely, uh, you know, the Americanist way was steer clear. Well, the, the new global organization was created by it, and the Versailles Treaty had the uh, League of Nations in it, and so on and so forth. Well, here we are, let's roll for nations to effect after World War II. It has a war uh, footing for everything to, they say, go to war. We go to war. It's not constitutional, by the way, and we can prove that. But what happens in Korea, Truman uh, snookers us all and gets us in Korea, uh, Southeast Asia, by the way, the Southeast Asia Treaty Organization, CETO and NATO, were both written by John Foster Dulles, who was one of the guys that wrote the Treaty of Versailles back in 1916. So anyway, these guys, they I mean, only the good die young, and some of these real bad people stay along for, uh, for a long period of time. Okay, NATO Treaty, signed in April of 1949, says anybody that's in the NATO Treaty that gets attacked suddenly has Big Brother run to their uh, protection. The United States is the big brother in NATO. There's no question about that. Ukraine has been trying for 15 years to get into NATO. And uh, Sam and uh, we, we all could probably remember about six years ago, we were in Washington, D.C., while the Ukraine was lobbying the U.S. Congress, trying to get into, um, you know, our back pockets, if you will, for our support against uh, Russia. And by the way, Ukraine is run by oligarchs, which are not, uh, you know, guys like George Washington and Ben Franklin and James Madison. These are oligarchs, and, and we see a little bit what they're like. By the way, they were dealing with Hunter Biden and, and Joe Biden and so on. But at any rate, uh, they've been wheeling their way into our heart for 15 years. They've been trying to do so. Their intention at this point is to be in NATO this year, 2021. So NATO is considering in incorporating Ukraine into that alliance, if you will, that, that big brother alliance that says anybody in this group gets attacked, we're all in it together, we're all going to go to war. Well, right at this very moment, this is current, not this, you know, this didn't happen last month or 
you know, six months ago or something like that. Today, right now, they're exchanging rounds downrange between Ukraine and Russia. Russian snipers are picking off Ukrainian soldiers, and, and this kind of thing is happening as we speak, and we are stupid enough as a country to give consideration to, and by the way, NATO is favorable towards receiving the uh, 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 the Ukraine into it. And and we have been stupid enough, and and it's almost been unanimous, to to bring in countries that there is no justification. I mean, people might say, well, you know what, if we get into a scrape or a, a, a fighting war, it's a hot war, whatever it is, if we ever get into one of those, man, it'd be nice to have some people at our back. Some people, I mean, you know, come on, come on. We got people that are in NATO now that have maybe fifteen or sixteen hundred soldiers. I mean, that's going to make a big difference. <clears throat> they don't have a way to transport them outside their boundary lines, and so, so this kind of foolish logic, reason, rationale, however you want to put it, and and you have, by the way, guys like uh, and uh, I don't know, Sam Pitchin, anytime you want, but but think about this. For those that think there there isn't some underhanded thing kind of going on, you might remember the guy named Lieutenant Colonel Vindman. Vindman, what the heck was his name? He was the guy that was a army soldier that that listened in on the conversation that um, Trump had with the Ukraine leadership, and he was the guy saying Trump was saying quid pro quo, you do what I want or you're not going to get aid. Well, that's wasn't nearly as uh, uh, upfront and on the table as what Joe Biden said when um, they were investigating, you know, the group that uh, Hunter was involved in, where he says, "I'm withholding the billions of dollars if you don't uh, if you don't buy in on this guy." Anyway, so Vindman was one that really was instrumental in bringing Trump's impeachment about. Okay, so here we have uh, underhanded efforts. Vindman, by the way, was Ukrainian-Russian. He was born there, so he wasn't an American to begin with. I mean, you know, he got naturalized later on, but the fact of the matter is we have people behind the scenes that are manipulating U.S. policy for some good benefit that they perceive, whether it's deep state or whether it's, um, you know, for for the, the benefit of another country. And and that just simply is not the way the Americanists, the Americanist philosophy, uh, was was ever intended to be. And and uh, there's a statement that was made by by John Quincy Adams. Now John Quincy Adams, uh, by the way, was uh, <laughs> he was born to be a diplomat. I mean, his dad John Adams, uh, you know, I mean, he raised him, uh, born and bred to this whole kind of thing. And and he, uh, he he was involved in diplomatic missions all across the world with his father right from the, his childhood basically, but but here's here's what John Quincy Adams said, and this is related to what we're talking about in the war situation. America has abstained from interference in the concerns of others, even when the conflict has been for principles to which she clings. She goes not abroad in search of monsters to destroy. She is the well-wisher to the freedom and independence of all. She is the champion 
and vindicator only of her own. Okay, so this idea, oh, man, these Ukrainians, oh, <laughs> they're good people. And by the way, I, I, I was there on the street of Washington watching the demonstrations on behalf and this waving of the Ukrainian flags and, and the uh, uh, effort in, in front of the Congress. I mean, actually uh, heard what was said by, by senators and congressmen in Washington, D.C., in behalf of Ukraine and, and supporting them and going to, to bat for them and, and against the, this horrific monster called Russia and so on and so forth. But we don't go abroad to slay monsters on behalf of anybody else. We are only there to protect and uphold our own. So that was the, the founder's perspective. And um, I'll just give you a few others. Uh, and, and, you know, this is, some of these things are from George Washington's farewell address. And, um, and, and you might use these thoughts and compare them with both against enemies and in favor of those that, that we kind of hold up as our allies. See, sometimes we think we have friendship with countries that there really is no reasonable reason to believe that, that our well-being is tied to theirs. And so, so, listen, think of your favorite ally and think of your worst enemy that might be out there and apply the, this wisdom that Washington brought forth. So just a few little snippets. He's, here's what he said in his farewell address. Nothing is more essential than the permanent inveterate antipathies against particular nations and passionate attachments for others should be excluded. So we, we, we can't be tied to some and we can't be enemies to others simply because of opinion. Okay, going on. Just and amical feelings towards all should be cultivated. The nation which indulges towards another an habitual hatred or an habitual fondness is in some degree a slave. It is a slave to its animosity or to its affection, either of which is sufficient to lead it astray from its duty and interest. See, this America first kind of thing is where they were. They were America first people. Okay, going on with another. Antipathy in one nation against another disposes each more readily to offer insult and injury, to lay hold of slight causes of umbrage, and to be haughty and intractable when accidental or trifling occasions of dispute occurred. Okay, bring it forward to the a news piece that was on in the last few minutes. The airstrikes that are being carried out on the Syrian-Iraq border by the United States military and against Iran. Okay, now, you're going to have to connect the dots, people. This is something that we are neck deep in right now. And, and in fact, I'll just give you another example real quickly. I got more things to read about George Washington's farewell address, but, but just think about this for just a second. Back in September in 2012, Barack Obama was the president. The United States uh, Senate brought forth a bill that both Utah senators, unfortunately and sadly, sponsored, along with a lot of other senators, that, that said, we are delegating to the United States president the authority to decide to go to war against Iran or not. Or not. See, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 11 says Congress shall have power to declare war. No, 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 no. You can't redelegate 
a power that was delegated to you by the Constitution. That, is, that violates constitutional protocol. But what the U.S. Senate did was they said, we are delegating to the president the power to decide to take the United States to war against Iran. Iran. This is not going to be a Saddam Hussein thing. This is going to be a knockdown, drag out. Go back and read what it says in the 23rd chapter of Isaiah, if you don't believe me. They said, don't go to war against the Persians and the Medes. It's going to be bad. It will be bad. Okay, but the United States Senate, no, we, we don't care about that kind of stuff. Let's just, uh, the president, he can decide it. Ladies and gentlemen, okay, we're well, about out of time. There's two things you should know. So Dr. Bradley reviews and breaks down the history of unjust wars around the world that the United States has taken part in. Sadly, we have become a warlike people, ladies and gentlemen. Here's the headline just recently that came out to make Dr. Bradley's point. Why are we there? Why are we doing this? The U.S. military conducted airstrikes against Iran backed militias in Syria on the Syria border on Sunday. Um, anyway, that's according to a press release by the Pentagon. So, ladies and gentlemen, we're in wars all over. We've become a warlike people, and I'm telling you right now, that plus the murderous abortion agenda, it will not go well for us, ladies and gentlemen. I can promise you that if we continue uh, this. Dr. Bradley, uh, thank you so much. I know we need more time, but I appreciate the reality breakdown on this because it's a critical issue. We need to jettison war and truly stand for peace. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome, and, um, and let's keep the faith, people. we got a lot of stake. Amen to that. God save the Republic of the United States of America.